welcome everybody to what is our next field trip and our first field trip of 2023. I'm really excited to go ahead and crack into this one. We've been away from microphone for a while here for a variety of reasons, but it's nice to go ahead and sit down and be throwing some dice in a brand new system. So we've got with us in studio Kevin Burrup, who has written a game system called Burn. It's a 2D6 system, so I'm already getting like powered by the apocalypse kind of vibe to it, which is cool. Kevin, first of all, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. Lovely to finally meet you face to face, and then I'll go into how you got connected with us and we with you and all that in a minute. So, Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show, and I'm super excited to roll dice with you tonight, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So for anybody out there that's been a fan of the show for a little while here, the name Kevin Burrup may sound familiar mm -hmm. and it would sound familiar because one of our very first creator led actual plays was with a group of fine folks who wrote a game called Against the Dark Master. And, uh, First of all, they are absolutely lovely to yeah, work were, with and to talk great. to. They were an amazing group of guys. But we got connected with them because in our very first questions from the audience episode, Kevin had submitted a question saying, hey, do you guys ever do any non-Dungeons & Dragons stuff? You should check out Against the Dark Master. It's my favorite game. And right. so we said, oh, I mean, if, if it's one of our listeners' favorite game, how can we not go play it? And Against the Dark Master is everything it was cracked up to be. Like, if you love, like, epic fantasy, like Lord of the ring style like epic fantasy against dark master is your game without any further ado so before we get in here and start throwing dice against this thing kevin talk to us about what burn is where burn came from and sure. tell us a little bit about the game itself yeah burn really came from a comment that a player made as we were playing a game and said boy this game would be a lot better if we could burn our stats to really improve what we do and we ended the game we were playing and over the weekend i thought about it and i said you know what I bet you could create an entire game system all based on that one mechanic. And at the time, I had seen some business card games created. So that weekend, I whipped up a front and back side of a business card, back side having a character sheet, front side brief rules, and I posted it on itch.io. And from there, I kept tweaking it, kept adding things, a random adventure charts, different settings. And then I couldn't stop creating around it. And, uh, and during that time, so I, I started playtesting it back in the fall in September and just have been working on it ever since. So it came out of a really another player's suggestion on a game mechanic and I just went with it and built it out too much. I don't know. <laughs> as, as happens to many games, sometimes the uh, rules get too big, but I'm really looking forward to this. Like this, it seems so simple and I like the complexity of it at the same time. So yeah, based yeah, on what I've read so far, I don't think you built it out too much. It seems yeah. complex enough to add depth, but streamlined yep. enough to be easy to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Generally so. speaking, anytime your character sheet is as uncomplicated as this one is, you've yeah. got a game that plays easy. You just have to sit down and and play it. And just by reading this, that that seems like that was one of the stated goals. So yeah. kudos. He yeah. absolutely did. Yeah, and that's one of the designs. You should be able to sit down with a bunch of people who have never played it before. And within 10 minutes or so, you should be rolling dice and just playing. All right, it is your turn to take over the microphone and uh, let's get started. So how do we start? All right, sounds good. If we were at a convention, you would sat down at my table, I'd say the game is Burn 2D6. And uh, before we even talk about the rules, I just want to know what kind of game do you want to play? Do you want to play a pulp era, which is 1920s, 30s USA? Do you want to play a myth and magic kind of setting? Do you want to play a, a space opera setting with laser beams and jumping from place to place or... 
supers? Do you want to be amazing superheroes doing incredible things? And those are choices that are built in with adventure seeds and specific rules around those settings. So that's the first question. I think a true to form, I think that the three of us should roll 2d6 and go in in descending order and name our first and second choice based on that roll. What do you guys think? I'm not the mathematician, but my die roll is an eight. I'm sorry, it's a nine. I'm at 10. I got two fives. 11. That means Lee Wanika wins. Because in so, burn, it's lowest. Oh, it's lowest to high. That's right. Yes. Oh, good call. That's right. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Somebody did his homework. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, Lee Wanika. So first and second choice then. I guess my first choice would be supers. And my second choice would be pulp arrows in. Or, or a Quigley down under. Or a, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yep. Like a hundred percent supers I, I, or pulp would be my choice too. Supers or pulp you know? would be my choice too. And it sounds like we've got two supers and see pulp was going to be my first choice, but two supers in first will beat with my supers in second choice. So supers it is. Kid, I could get behind some twenties actions. See, I really could. I could too. I, I, I actually some- think some pulp might work for me. I think. I, but supers could be we are, is grand as well. But yeah. So we have now just talked ourselves. We have now decided what we're going to eat for dinner, and then talked ourselves out of it. So I think I think this takes the adult in the room. Kevin, do you have a choice? Do you would, would you rather well, run supers? I, I or would say say this. this. I would say this. The, Paul the original setting. The original setting <laughs> for Burn Two D Six was Pulp Era. All right, that we're was in. original. So All we right. could go with the original setting and like move it. from there. Pulp. I mean, our our pre-show conversation we were chatting, like superpowers kept coming up, not on purpose. So we had decided it was probably going to be supers. I like the way we just did a flip. Yep. I like it. All right. So we're Pulp Era. All right. So you're Pulp Era. The one thing you have to decide up front is the kind of character you want to play. And so in Burn 2D6, there are character types. And character types do a couple of things. One, they give you a stat array already set for your four attributes, move, heart, eyes, and soul. The other thing it will do is it will specify one piece of equipment that you start the game with. Now that piece of equipment has a bonus associated with it that improves one of your stats. In addition, routine things that you do in this game don't require a roll. And your type will determine what's routine. And your type will also have bearing on an action role. So if you are a race car driver or a driver and you're driving a car, it's going to be very different than if you are a circus performer driving a car. The difficulty around some of the things is going to be different. So for character types, we have some classic things. Bureau agent, circus performer, driver, escape artist, gangster, illusionist, librarian, minister or rabbi, Olympic medalist, politician, pilot, private investigator, professor, reporter, photographer, secretary, or war hero. And so that's the first thing. Go through and think about what kind of background you want, what kind of character you want. And then you just writing your character type and then take the stats as they're positioned. Everyone will have stats that add up to 24. You can't have a stat lower than four and you can't have a stat greater than 12. I know what I'm looking to do. Yeah, what, what role type are you two looking at? I'm looking at reporter photographer. I like it. Nice. I like it. I'm, I'm looking at a librarian because I'm thinking like the academic, deep in his books, kind of has learned the secrets of the dark world sort of thing. Maybe read too much, gone too deep. He's got to be the private investigator. See, I guess that schlup will be me. 
<laughs> I love it. All right, so we've got a PI and a photographer reporter and our librarian. Right, got it. And so right now, what you need to do is just copy down those stats, and you'll see that the librarian gets an encyclopedia, which will help with your heart stat and your eye stat. Your eye stat. Okay. And so that's, okay. that's a plus one to each? Is that... It, it, it's a plus one, and you'll just add it during the rolls. Uh, okay. Okay. Yep. Because if you're not using the equipment, the bonus doesn't apply. Okay. All right. And then got for it, okay. our PI, you've got the M1911 pistol that you can choose for that. And for a reporter, you have a contacts book. Now, you also get a second piece of equipment that you can choose from the equipment list. And one of the things that because of the pulp era is, a, I don't know, an error of intimidation, an error of fisticuffs and tough guys we have we often recommend that all of you maybe are together because you're all the class of 1916 and you've got your good old class of 1916 ring this big gold ring and that gives you not only confidence but a little bit of bruising skill when it comes to melee so that would give you an h2 bonus a bonus of two to heart and then once you have that all set up two pieces of equipment and all your stats and your type, you might want to just think of a name for your character. And then what happens next in this game as we're playing is now the only time really that the moderator rolls is at this point to figure out what is this adventure going to be? This will be a randomly generated adventure every time. And right now what I'll be doing is rolling 2d6 three times and consulting the adventure seed chart, no peeking. I know you have the rules you got in advance. No, no peeking on that. Robert. And then you can tell me how that's going to work. Let's see. Oh, what did we get here? All right. That's not bad. I don't know if it's going to be quite Tarzan, but we'll see what happens here. And so I've got to write these down or my brain will forget. And then the final one. All right. There we go. Got it. All right. In the game, as we move forward, 2D6 is the name of the game. So everything revolves around making action rolls for different things you'll do that will be assigned to one of these primary stats. And you need to roll under the stat. I will end up assigning a certain level of difficulty to that roll, anywhere from that 2D6 all the way up. It could be as high as 66. And when you get to that point, you could always chance it, right? And say, I'm just going to roll straight. I'm going to roll under my number. I have full confidence in myself. And maybe you'll make it. But you might decide that a 66 roll, you don't have really good odds in rolling under that four you have in your step. <laughs> so you're going to go and take burn. And what you'll do is at that point, you will put in the burn place on your character sheet. You'll mark one burn, two burn, three burn, four burn. You can take as many burn as you want and any single roll to put the odds in your favor. Okay. Now, there's another thing on your sheet. You'll see surge. And surge, what that allows you to do is to remove a die of difficulty without taking burn. Or in, I guess, a moment of opportunity in the game, you can enter a new fact into the game. The example being the keys were left in that car, right? Or something like that. So Surge has a couple of different things. Now, once you use your Surge, it's gone until you, in one of your rolls, if you roll all face-up sixes, you get your Surge back. 
So there is an advantage to rolling 1d6 because you have a one in six chance of getting your surge back. I think that's probably everything you need to know about the rules to get going. The only slight difference in the pulp era is that some of your opponents are pretty tough. They're tough guys. And you may find that you're up against an opponent that actually lowers your stat score. So they might be a crime boss, let's say, and a really tough character, and you're trying to intimidate them. And you may see your target number, uh, say your for a heart roll, reduced by two. If you have an eight, it could end up being a six for the roll. So that's one of the differences in the pulp era. It's the only of the settings where there's an actual reduction that can happen based on who you're facing. Before we get into it, you probably had a few minutes to think about your characters and names. So let's go through and hear a little bit about each one of your characters. And I guess we can we can start with the the classic for this setting. Is our private investigator ready with a few details for us? Ish. I do have a couple of quick questions, or one sure. one specific quick question is a bounce back. Earlier when you were talking about equipment, you we came with a piece of equipment, and you said you, we also start with an additional piece of equipment that's, that's chosen right. from the list. Was that the nineteen six the class of 1916 ring, because that is on the list, or were we choosing something in addition to that? You get two pieces of equipment. So one for PI is an M1911 pistol. Yep. And then the second piece, my recommendation was, and you don't have to listen to me, my, my recommendation is the class ring of 1916, which gives you the, a bonus to heart of two. God. As the super spleeny librarian, I would be totally down with us choosing the 1916 class ring. And that gives us a nice backstory. I like it. I just was trying to make sure I understood how that mechanic worked. Yeah. Aside from that, I am a somewhat down on his luck gumshoe named Clem carrying the traditional bottle of whiskey somewhere on his person and pistol tucked away. And he'll take just about any job that comes his way to make sure that the next round of bills get paid. But he's really dreaming about finding that one big case, that one big score. All right. And what about our reporter photographer? What's going on with the, with him? I am new to the Northeast. I've just come from down south. My name is Moses Jackson Spillane. All right. And uh, what yeah. paper do you work for? Do you know? Right now I'm freelance writing because as is prone for the 20s, it's hard to get a byline without a really hot story. I figure I can get a, a good story and then I can get a byline. But right now I'm just posting stories here, there, and everywhere, trying to get on the, just pick up the biggest story in the city. So looking for anything that seems juicy, that's worthy of, of a prolonged story, like an actual detailed, like following the tale kind of story. All right. Moses Jackson Spillane, I guess the only question I have for you, so you're more of a reporter rather than photographer. That's what I'm getting out of you. I'm probably the prototype for the the photographic investigative re reporter, basically coming from down south without having a lot of friends, being a black guy in the 20s in the northeast, I'm doing a lot of things on my own. So I have my own camera. I have my own notepad. I'm basically my own copy editor. I'm kind of trying to produce a finished product that people couldn't say no to if they saw me. And because nobody gets to see me, they just see a name on there. And in fact, my byline would be MJ Spillane so that nobody would actually have any concept of where I might be from or what have you. And that's how I've been successful as freelancing. I can get a story on a paper as long as there's an editor or somebody who's willing to just buy the story because nobody has to talk about who's writing it. 
Yeah. So the only suggestion I have for Moses Jackson, you may not want to go with the class ring. You may want to say, and I know it's not on the list, but you may want to have a camera on your equipment list. I like that. I like that a lot. And the camera, I'll say, would really impact a couple of things. If you're using it, it's going to have an E1. Yep. Just to suggest, cameras have been known as an example to capture images that are hard to capture, let's say some of those spectral. So I'd give it an S1 too. I'd split that camera between an E1 and an S1. Got it. All right. Librarian, what do you have going on? So my name is Craig Skinner from the very upper crust Skinner family from Boston. I have attended university, of course, from a family benefactor who paid my way in. And perhaps they are not totally impressed at the fact that I seem to have spent much more time with my nose in books than I did studying business as daddy does. I'm sure that that Clem and I, with his penchant for investigations and my superior research ability, have been probably long friends since uh, since our school days. Right, and, uh, great. And Moses Jackson, I'm sure that I came across some stories from from Mr. M.J. Spillane at some point here, detailing some of the, uh, the strange going-ons in the Wild South. I hear it's crazy down there. Now listen, just because he lost his class ring doesn't mean you got to be down on him like that. Or maybe he had to sell his class ring to get his camera or something. That's I like that. I yeah, think that, that that's really good. Oh, perfect. Sounds sounds. You know what's great about all of you and together. Maybe it's been a little while since you've seen each other. You find yourselves on a Saturday in Harbor City, and what happens in Harbor City? Everyone goes to the horse track racing and Clem Falcone down on his luck detective with private eye would probably find himself at the tracks trying to get lucky and bringing along his friends Moses Jackson Spillane and Craig Skinner for the day so that's where you find yourselves at the tracks you got a few warm-up races going on out there right now Clem you notice the usual group around here you've got a down and outs you've got the classic thugs that you know from the streets and friend Craig sees some of the highest in society, some of the highest flute in there too, probably in the higher boxes. And friend Moses Jackson Blaine is just scoping it out, new to the area, coming up from the south and trying to get the lay of the land. You see not far from you, there are, is the seating area. You have, of course, the bedding windows in front of you. In fact, you're standing right near the bedding windows. And on the far side from where you are, is where the stables are for the horses. But Clem, do you have the itch to gamble? So Clem looks up from the race schedule that he's been perusing and studying and looks at his two friends and says, Hey, Craig, Moses, one of you guys got a C? I got a hot tip on one of these here bang tails. Of course, Clem. I'm happy to fund, as always, the uh, the afternoon's activities. I love coming to watch the fillies race around the track. Uh, and the horses also. <laughs> uh. well, I can tell you for certain, Clem, that there ain't no way I'm spending not even two bit on s- something that's not a sure thing. Giving money away, hoping you get it back based on something that somebody else is doing. That's the devil's work. Oh, I won't have don't stand. This is a sure thing, man. It's a sure thing. Not like last time. 
Got it, Masas. I'm buying for you also. Okay, fine, fine. A He'll sure pull three hundred dollars. When I take my money and I go and get myself one of those fancy, fancy alcohol waters with the green leaves in it. You may be getting a mint julep, but it's going to be no alcohol. We're in the middle of prohibition. You've got about three more years before alcohol will flow again in these United States of America. At least down here. Up in the boxes, I'm sure that they they have uh, whiskey under their seats or whatever. But that's, yeah, down here. Yeah, yeah go northeast. What are you talking about, Craig? <laughs> I got a bottle of moonshine here in my coat. Exactly, yeah. Well, uh, you at the top of your ticket. You've been examining that schedule, and you've been following the ponies a little bit. And three horses stand out to you. Aviter Zane, Love Rocket, and Philly Philly. And you've heard some thoughts about those, but you're not quite sure. You don't know. Are any of them doing like warm-up races or anything? I'd like to go ahead and see if I can, because I've got keen eyes. I'm really good at analyzing and observing. Uh, so I'm just, I'm, if any of them are doing warm-up races, yeah, I want to see what They're all warming up on the track and you can observe the horses. You could, yeah. And you hear an announcement from the betting window. Betting will close in 20 minutes. So you've got a little time. Let me see what I can see about uh, about these three here, Clem, and I'll, uh, I'll come back with some recommendations. So I'd like to get I'll closer go. to the rail and kind of uh, see what's going on. I'll go with you. Uh, I'm telling you, I got a tip about a Vitazane, but you need to look. That's fine. Whatever. I'm placing my bet now. Yeah, and he, and takes, as he, plucks a... his C, he plucks his C note from your hand and goes over to the betting window and puts it down. Now, Clem, you want to lean into the, the kind of the gossip you might receive, the things you might hear. You can certainly do that because no one's there. You're not leaning on anyone for information. You're just trying to see what you recall. It'd be an eyes roll for you. And you're a private eye. You're a CD private eye. So I'm going to make this a real easy roll for you. This is 2D6 for you to remember the tips that you got for a specific horse. A 2D6 eyes roll for you, Clem. Okay, my eyes stat is six, rolling mm-hmm. 2d6, and I get an 11. So you get an 11, so you fail. And so with that, all of a sudden you're looking on the sheet and you didn't notice it before, but Jade Run, Jade Run is on the sheet. Boy, you just noticed Jade Run. All hundred bucks that you have there, you want to put on Jade Run. Jade Run is going to, yeah, you've heard a hot tip. For sure. Oh, holy crap. Holy crap. I almost missed it, guys. Jade Run is in this race. She's going to be in this heat. And that right there is a bang tail you always bet on. I heard it from my guy Jimmy down at the docks. I'm definitely, uh, Clem? Definitely looking to verify. Why would somebody uh, who works on water know about something (laughs) that runs on land? Quite right, Masas. Quite right. Because that horse horse ain't local. That horse came in last week. From, I don't know, Egypt or something. Yes, those fine Egyptian thoroughbreds. So, have they lost their sea legs? The horse? I think it was just on the boat to get here. So, I'm going to go take pictures of the horses. Oh, (laughs) and Craig, you were headed out, Mr. Skinner. Yeah. To take a look at these horses. I did. I'm stand at the rail and kind of see them run in a little bit and see what I can what I can get. Yeah, so take a look. You're a librarian. You're not, you, although you're upper crust, I imagine you're not too much with the ponies, but really find out some, some good information from observation of what's happening. This is going to be a 4d6 roll for you under Ooh, eyes. Okay. All right. 
Let's see what I got here. Wait, hold on. You sure you oh, don't yeah. want to burn? I was going to say, yeah, so by burning, I can lower one of those die. Is that... Or, you, can, you can lower all of them if you wanted to. There's no limit. All right. I don't want to do that. I will burn two. I'm going to take two. You're going to burn two. All I'm right. Burn so you two. two burn next eyes, yep. and then you're going to roll two do the 2d6 die. roll. Yep. Yeah. I like my odds on that one, on the 2d6. That's a four, so... Sounds and, like and your eyes were nine. Nine. A nine. Yeah. So you're easily under it. And so the what you know from looking out is that right away, the thing you collect from is you know who the owners are of these horses. And you know that uh, Avita Zane is owned by a Graf von Holstein. Some foreign dude owns Avita Zane. And you've heard that the horse, they came over, literally they came over on the boat. And this horse has been causing quite a stir, seemingly beating other horses that um, you think they would have beat, some really good ones. And uh, today, it's a championship, right? All these horses have won other races to get here. Now, Love Rocket, Love Rocket is owned by uh, some high society people called the Toddingtons, and they own Love Rocket. And then Philly Philly is owned by Mr. Gallo. And although Mr. Gallo doesn't go in your circles, you're pretty sure that you're pretty sure that Clem might know about him, and that maybe even Moses might have written a story or two about him. More of a, a shipping magnet, but with some shady influences. Definitely not a member of high hmm. society. So you interesting. So that's what, you gather that about all the horses. Innocent. If you had a bet on these, the Toddingtons probably make a bet on their horse. Love Rocket has won this race yeah. before. So I was hoping that I could just take pictures of the horses, see if I can get a nice shot of each jockey, each owner, and the horse, and then get them to tell a quick anecdote about the horse. Yeah, so you want to like walk down to the area where, you know, as the jockeys get off the horse and they're going to lead them into the, uh, into the stables. Yeah, that's about, that's on the other end of the, of the stands, but it would, it's, a, it's maybe a, a three or four minute walk to get over there. So it's not hard. You can walk. Figure I've got the camera. I'll let him know that I'm, I'll just, if anybody asks, like, I'll just say press. I don't have any press badges, obviously, but I'm going to just tell him that. Hey, Moses. Moses, I'll Moses. make sure and put a C-note on Love Rocket for you. Fantastic. He's already got you covered. I was going to ask if you wanted us to play Shabbat. Yeah, I got, I've got our friend there also. So that's a two, two $100 tickets on Love Rocket, please. <laughs> Suckers. We got the winning right. ticket right here. So we've got 100 on Jade Run. We've got... 200 on Love Rocket. And so you head down there and easily you get over there. It's crowded in the stands. People seem to be pretty excited. It looks like the horses now are all done kind of practicing. They're going to go for rub downs in the stables, but you're able to be there as each one comes by you. The jockeys are on top of the horses being led by trainers and you have the opportunity to address the trainers or stop the horses, talk to either one. What do you want to do? I'm going to address the trainer because they're largely in charge. And, and I'll just say, uh, buck up, boys. About to go to, you're about to have a good race here. So I'd like to get a picture of you and your horse and tell me something good for the, for the line on it. I want to talk about each of you. And the first one kind of looks at you quizzically and so does jockey a little bit and he goes uh guten tag tag to you too and this is apparently a Wiedersehen you see it ridden on the side of the horse and the guy goes 
Oh, picture. Sure. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Say Burgermeister. And, and let's see, let's see what you're able to capture from that photo. Let's see if there's any detail or something like that. And again, this is another one going for eyes roll with your with your uh, camera. So you're going to do the eye stat plus the bonus from your camera as your roll under number. And then you're, you're a photographer, right? It's one of the things you do. This is simply going to be a 2D6 roll. However... You do have the option of telling me, you know what? I want to increase the magnitude of effect that I can get from this. I don't want it to be a 2D6 roll. I want it to be a 3D6 roll. So if I do capture any information from this film, it's going to be more than what would be normal. So it's your choice. You can do a 2D6 roll, or you could always tell me you want to increase the magnitude of the effect. I'm going to increase the magnitude of the effect. But I'd also like to burn one if I can. You sure can. You can burn as many as you want. So I'll mark one on the eyes. Yep. And then I'm still rolling 2d6. And I would need to get under a eight. And I absolutely did not. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sorry. I did. I, well, I got an eight. Does, you got an eight. So an eight is what we'd say is a partial success. Okay. So you've got a partial success on that roll. Okay, after you take the photo, they go by, and the next horse comes by, and this is in rapid succession. This is a taken all of like 25 seconds so far. And the next horse comes up, and there's being, the jockeys being led by, by a young man, and what do you say to him? This, you read on the side, and this is definitely a love rocket. Hi there. I'm trying to get a. Uh, I'm trying to take some pictures and get a story about the best horses with the best chances to win. So I would love to get a picture of you before the race, and then when you win, I'll grab another one after the race. And you hear a voice behind you, a woman's voice yell, "You there? Are you trying to take a picture of my horse?" I am. Would you care to be in the picture as well as the beautiful owner of such of this wonderful animal? And you turn around and you see a woman who is maybe about five foot two, raven haired, more classically beautiful. And she looks at you and you go, thank you. Thank you so much. I am Dot Toddington and this is my horse. And if you're going to take a picture, I certainly need to be in there. We're going to win. We're going to win the cup today for sure. And she points up. And up the stands, there's uh, an area where you see judges. And on a green tablecloth on top of it is a silver chalice. And it, it's huge. Its chalice is probably about two feet. The top of it's two feet in kind of diameter. It's pretty big. And it stands at least two feet, two to three feet tall off the table. So a very large chalice. And that is what she's pointing to. And we will win that cup. It's, it's, been in our, it's been in our family for at least 50 years, ever since, uh, ever since my, my great-grandfather brought it back from Mesoamerica. Oh, wow. wow. That sounds like a story I'm going to have to hear about. Let me get a picture to commemorate the beginning of this glorious endeavor. All right. Same thing. You can see how you can get from this. It's a 2D6 roll, but you can always, again, the magnitude if you wanted to see what more you might, details you might get in that photo. I think I'm going to roll this one straight. Straight 2D6 roll. Okay. 
And that's a success with a five. Okay, so you did it. All right, we got that photo. All right, and she thanks you, and you see she walks off with the horse towards the stables, and the last horse comes by, and this is Philly Philly. And again, another person pulling the horse. You have the opportunity to, or before you have the opportunity to even address them, a big thug of a guy in a trench coat, dark hat, walks out from the barn area, sees you with the camera, puts up his hands, and he says, Mr. Gallo don't want no pictures. You can go away, no pictures of the horse. I'm sure Mr. Gallo doesn't want pictures, but he does realize that if your horse and Mr. Gallo's name gets in the paper, more people will see it, more people will want to see it. That means more bets. That's a bunch of complicated thinking, and you're trying to appeal here with reason and rationale. So this thug is a the background is his he's a 1d6 opponent so if you had a 2d6 roll we add 1d6 to it making it 3d6 roll in addition this thug because of his mentality and psychology he doesn't do incredibly well with intelligence rolls and you will lower your target number by one so you'll go from an eight to a seven and it's going to be a 3d6 roll to appeal because you're appealing to his intelligence to convince him that you're right. Okay. And is that going to be a soul? That uh, is going to be an eye with intelligence. Okay. I'm going to burn one. Okay. And yeah, it's all about making money for the boss. This 2D6. picture will make him more money. That's a four. Yeah, so you made it. So he looks at you, goes, eh, "Yeah, that kind of that kind of makes some sense." All right, all right, all right. Go ahead, take your picture. I will do it as a straight roll, burn enough on this particular pony. Yeah, and that's a six. Yeah, so you're there, you're good. So the the horses go off. So you have film now, and the of course the difficulty is that these are not digital cameras, yeah. and at some point you're going to have to develop this film to see what you have. But you've got him. And so, of course, Clem and, and uh, Craig, you've seen all this. I assume either he's coming back to you or you guys are going to meet in the middle of the stands as you catch up with each other. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to head back up to them. What was the name of the owner of the last horse? Mr. Gallo. Thank you. Yeah. So, Clem, who did you put your money on? Oh, I put it all on Jade Run. Did I uh, did I learn anything about Jade Run when I was out investigating? How'd she look, Moses? I saw her go right by you. She's beautiful, wasn't she? Quite possibly the slowest horse on the track today. <laughs> yeah, how, how did we do yeah, that's yeah. a bunch of gaff. Yeah, you found out all about who did it. And with Jade Run, honestly, the only thing that you got out there was that Jade Run is it looks to be as slow as a donkey. So you're not really not really too impressed with Jade Run. Not even gonna make good mucilage, huh? Okay. So I'm not even sure how that horse got here. It certainly whoever, didn't. Whoever was supposed to win that last race must have thrown a shoe or something in the <laughs> la- on the last leg. Best of luck to you, Clem. I, uh, I made sure and put a hundred dollars on on Love Rocket for you. That seemed to be the one that I thought would do the best. Uh, and the Tollingtons are just lovely people. We had dinner with them just the other night. They served the most marvelous Chianti. It was amazing. I'm not sure where they got it from, but it was fabulous. 
I don't know what your key, what your auntie's doing and why she's got keys, but if you say so. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Shall we to our seats, gentlemen? You guys don't know nothing about horses. They got four legs. <laughs> they we pull shall plows. See. And they make rich people richer. Just because they got four getaway sticks doesn't mean... Uh. <laughs> getaway sticks. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm gonna go scout out some seats. Uh, I'm not I'm I don't mind hanging down in the, in the cheap seats with these two, uh, but certainly if I see anybody up in the boxes who who acknowledges me, I'll certainly wave back. Of course, my my Saturday linen suit, sure. uh, yeah. finely pressed, a starched collar, a whole nine yards, straw yeah. hat. Yeah, yeah. In the owner's box, as you look up, you definitely see an old school chum. Tad Toddington and That's Tad, Tad. And at some point, who knows, some private score somewhere. You uh, you knew Tad, and Tad gives you a nice wave from up above. Yeah, and Tad's not too far again from this cup. He seems to be keeping quite an eye on this chalice, this very large silver chalice. Good luck with Love Rocket today. And he goes, "Luck is not needed, but thanks." Ha <laughs> ha! Bully bully. Yeah. Before too long, the uh, the race starts. You hear the gun, and you see these horses going. There are eight of them that start the race, and then they actually do a steeplechase after this. So this is the first race. It would take about two hours in between before the steeplechase. So this race is going, and right away, unfortunately, Clem, the Jade Run is probably way in the back going around. And Come on, Jade Rock. Get the lead out. Shake those getaway sticks. Come on. And your cajoling gets a little bit of a reaction. The crowd around you bursts out in a little bit of laughter. You're not sure how many people bet on Jade Run. In the front of the pack is Love Rocket. Uh, Love Rocket is in the lead, followed very closely on her haunches by Avita Zane and Philly Philly, very close. And as they come around and are coming down the home stretch, Jade runs somewhere, but way in the back. And Evita Zane is up ahead. Love now is slightly behind. And Philly Philly is is running third. You notice as they're going around that more and more Evita Zane is overtaking Love Rocket. And Philly Philly seems to be catching up with Love Rocket. And when it comes to the very end, Vita Zane wins this first race, and Philly Philly beats Love Rocket by, by I don't know, a nose. And so the final tally is Vita Zane one, Philly two, and Love Rocket third. Jade Run manages to clinch seventh. Third, hardly. And right. as soon as the race is over, people take their popcorn and just pitch it down in the road beneath them. A lot of people are ripping up tickets, which are their bet markers. It seemed to be a, a lot of unhappy people in the crowd at this. In looking back to Tad Toddington, who's now been joined by his sister, Dot Toddington, they seem to be absolutely upset and are making their way down towards the stables. You do see some a couple of folks who are dressed in kind of gray suits with, I think each one of them has a monocle with some kind of medals pinned to their chest and they're just staying in the stands in one of the boxes 
They seem to be celebrating with some non-alcoholic beverage, and they must be the owners of Wiedersehen. But so there will be about a two-hour intermission, but between those two times, and one of the one of the men with the monocle actually walks down to the chalice, takes a look closely, and smiles and looks over at the, the Toddingtons. And bows to them and smiles as he looks closely at this great silver chalice. Can I walk over to him while he's still there and get to that general area? And excuse me, sir, sir, can I get a picture of you next to the chalice? It may be a bit premature, but you're currently out in front. And with a with an accent that I can't possibly do, some German accent. He's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can take my picture, and I will snap that picture and ask for his name. Yeah, and this is the Graf von Holstein, Graf Hermann von Holstein. And you take a photo, and you got a nice, you got a nice photo of him in the cup. And you're a photographer. So, you know, you take photos. If you want to get, glean any special information out of it, I would just say it's a 2D6 roll. I'll take the 2D6 and I have okay. a seven. Okay. Seven. All right, we got that. I'll, let me put that in there. Okay. All right. You've got a nice roll of film now that it would be great for you to take a look at, I imagine. And the your, your friends, the Toddingtons, Craig, waved to you to come up, Tad. Ways yeah. for you to come up. I'll head right over. I'll have my two tickets and uh, in my hand. And shame the old girl didn't win first there, um, but uh, at least placed in third. The tickets will win some. Purse should be nice for third. It's not a shame. It's some absolute skullduggery going on here. I can't oh, believe you think it. something foul? I do. I do. How does Philly uh, beat us first of all? And how is Mr. Gallo e- even possibly in this race? And then the other thing is a Vitozay. How can that horse that horrible a horse even beat Love Rocket. It's not possible. And that was the slowest time Love Rocket has put in all year. I just don't Uh, understand it. The Germans don't surprise me at all. With the 1916 Olympics being canceled and all, I'm sure they had a a warehouse full of steroids to get rid of. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Exactly. Should test that that animal for doping immediately. Who would have thought such a thing in Harbor City? Who would have thought it? Yeah, except it's probably not clear on what doping tests can be done in whatever, 1920. Probably not exactly, yeah. No, certainly not the um, horses. They didn't care. <laughs> but yeah, he definitely thinks, he, he agrees with you. He thinks that there's some... He goes, wait a minute. Isn't that the, your seedy friend Clem down there? Mm, it is. Yeah. Clem and I may have been in, enjoying some popcorn and uh, some nice pops while watching the, the races today. Isn't he a and- private investigator? He is. Would you like to hire him to get down to the bottom of this? It would certainly help. Um, I, I might need the help, or at least the muscle. After he, after the amount of money that he just lost on Jade Run, I think he could use the cash. Uh, Clem is sitting in a seat at the edge of the track, still wringing his hat. Let me, let me call him over. Clem! He looks up. Come on up, old boy. I'm like four days older than you. That, that, it's a term of endearment, Jim. Uh, uh, Clem, my friend, Tad Toddington, of course. Tad, this is Clem. Mr. Falcone, something's not right about this one. Do you see that cup there? And he points to that massive chalice. My yeah, family... that's what all used, all used rich to-do guys is trying to win today. 
That's right. We win it every year, and we don't want to see this this German winning it. Something's not right here. Something doesn't seem right. And I'd like you to get to the bottom of it and uh, see what's going on with that Vita Zane and that Philly Philly, and and make sure that uh, that the Love Rocket has the fair chance. I do remember that our other friend who's with us today, Mosses, he's a photographer. I think he was over in the stables before the races getting photos of the horses. I'm not sure what else he may have got photos of, but I wonder if he has anything on film that may help our investigation. Clem, do you know where he ran off to? He was down talking to the Germans over by the cup a minute ago. But Mr. Toddington, do you have anything to back up your allegations because please don't take this the wrong way but you wouldn't be the first guy that comes to me just singing about i got done wrong when really all you did was lost i'll tell you this as long as we've ever held that cup we have never lost a race in this stadium and i i just don't believe it that we would lose now we are still the champions and I find it hard to believe after 50 years of straight wins that today would be the day we lose. I don't know what's going on, but something. Good enough for me. That sounds pretty compelling. I'll tell you what, I'll take the case. I'm gonna need at least a lodge to get started and then we'll bill you with daily expenses as we get to the bottom of this. Sure, that's not a problem. And he peels off a hundred, gives you a hundred and says, all right, let's figure this out. We have got two hours until the next race. No, maybe we're not speaking the same language here, Mr. Totting. This here is a C-note, a hundred dollar bill. The Lodge is 10 of these guys here. He goes, let's see what you come up with. I can't work for less than two. And uh, Toddington looks over at you, Skinner, and goes, the company you keep. And you want us to figure out the goings on with the cup, Tad? I know you've got it. Like, you've probably got that in your left shoe. And he hands another note to you, Clem. He's the best in the business, Tad. You won't have to worry about us running off. Pleasure doing business with you. I meant no offense. I'm worth every penny. Let's go get Mosses there and we'll go over to the stables. His and name is Moses. we get out of earshot of Tad, Moses, whatever, you know who I'm talking about. But that, once we get out of earshot of Tad, I said, no, Clem, I just vouched for you there. Don't run off with his money. Not that I'm not accused. I'm just saying that I vouched for you. That's what I'm going to do with it. With. Uh, a job's a job. I got bills to pay. Right, besides, yeah, what am I going to do with it? This is the only set of races they're running here today. I don't even have another heat to bet on. Well, we got the staple. We got the steeplechase in a couple hours. If we can solve this, then put all that money on on Love Rocket there and recoup it all. Yeah, but we're gonna have to go talk to the stable hands, and we might need a little scratch to grease the wheels. So let me stop by the betting booths and see if they can break one of these down for me, because right. <laughs> the stable hands ain't getting the casino. <laughs> Quite right, old man. All right, so you head by the. You're easily able to get change for the for the bill. So you've got now ones and fives and tens or whatever denominations you want. Fives is probably fine. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the I mean, twenties. Five bucks is a lot yeah. of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And five so, bucks is like you know, a monthly salary. You can easily make it to the stables, and as you go behind the stands to walk down the stables, one thing that I gotta get the names right here, Moses. Moses. One of the things you notice as you walk down, there are a lot of other reporters, right? 
and they seem to go from the text, tag the news box up top, and uh, go to a room in the back here where there's a telegraph and a telephone, and they're calling in different reports about the race. And then you also notice a key thing in that there, there, there are photographers there, and a little red light on. Oh, in front of a little room in that press box or in that press room as you keep walking towards the stables. I'm going to I'm going to tell these guys I need, I'm going to go develop my film. Right on. That sounds good. Clem, you're going to talk to the stable boys. Especially if you've got some good shots from earlier that could be great for comparison. Absolutely. And just what I was thinking. So how about you give me a little of that so I can buy my way in? Yeah. Here's 20 bucks. That ought to do you. Excellent. All right, let's go talk to the stable boys. All right, so you guys leave our good friend Moses behind and head into the stables. And the stables are active right now. You got the trainers, you got the jockeys, a few of the owners. The horses are all being brushed down. They're having blankets thrown over them. All of that, just they're getting rub downs, all that other fun horse stuff that people do. I don't and, and that's the scene when you get there. And all of the, the stables are well-labeled for the eight contestants. You'd have no problem finding any of the eight. All right. So who should we start with? Should the crew for Love Rocket trying to figure out what went wrong? Let's not arouse suspicion quite yet. Instead, let's go through and just peruse all of the stalls, take a look at the horses, see what they look like, how they're behaving. And that way we just look like spectators. And then we'll talk to them after. Fair enough. There's actually, a method to these, there's actually a method to these things. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wouldn't mind te- checking out Jade Run. Maybe if there was foul play afoot, then mess with my horse. All right, fair enough then, old man. Let's let's go check and see what we can find. So we're just gonna go down the line of stables, taking a minute to examine each horse. Clem is far from a stable hand, but he spends a lot of time at the track and he's done what he can as a not necessarily quite that bright gumshoe to try to figure out which horses to bet on. So you see what he, he can glean. All right. And where do you go first? What do you do, Clem? Oh, we have to check Jade Run first. I got to see that oh, yeah. horse. Yeah, you, Jade Run, you see the trainer and them have just finished putting a blanket on Jade Run. They're whispering nice words of encouragement to Jade Run and uh, seemingly just now kind of relaxing, sitting down if they've closed the, closed the stall that the horse is in and they're just now hanging out. And the horse looks... J- Jade Run looks, looks tired. Jade Run... Uh, kind of reddish fur, maybe like a shape of a fish, like on the side, almost like a red herring on the side of the of the horse there, maybe, something like that, I think. <sighs> I don't know what the hell Jimmy down at the docks was thinking. Look at the scrawny gams on that thing. You're the one that threw money at it. Uh, really, I wasn't really sure what you saw in it, but so good it. Tip. At least it was supposed to be. All right. And he'll make a motion of going through and looking at all of the horses as he goes down, but I'm not really paying that much attention until we get to Aviter Zane. What were the other two? Love Rocket and Love Philly, Philly. Philly. Love Rocket. And Philly, Philly. 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 Philly, Philly first. That, that's the first stall, and Philly, Philly is in the stall. There's a trainer with Philly, Philly, and then there are three big guys just standing in front of the stall, just looking around, hands in their pockets. 
I want to take a really good look, not into the stall itself, but on like the bags and the things hanging outside. I really want, not obviously I'm not going to like rifle through them, but I want to look for anything suspicious, anything that seems out of place in like a, I don't know, like a vial or a syringe or a pistol or whatever. Could be whatever would look out of place in, in, in the bags on the outside. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You can do that. Again, it's going to be another eyes roll for you to find something. You're a librarian. I am. So this is a this is going to be a hard roll to start with, but it's going to be a 46 roll as a librarian to notice something difficult about a un, weird about a horse stall. I'm a, I'm going to burn two again. Yeah, I'm going to burn two okay. again. So I'm going to bring that down to two. All right. So it brings my burn up to four. 2d6. And that's a seven, and my eyes is nine, so it's success. Okay. The area looks like that it's been cleaned recently. More than you, you might think. Almost totally washed down the mm. entire thing. And these, none of the other stalls look this way. <laughs> this is like the most pristine stall you've seen, as if it was very recently cleaned. And the other thing you notice is that it looks like the trainer that's currently with the horse, you saw the other trainer, and uh, this is not the same trainer as the one that was photographed before bringing the horse into the stalls. This is someone different. You can't quite put your finger on it. The other person was uh, maybe a younger guy in his 20s, and now the guy with the horse as the trainer must be a guy in his 50s. Just a big difference, big difference in age between the two. You definitely picked that up. I say, gentlemen, quite good on the fastidious stall you have provided for your horse. Absolutely wonderful. Please, I'll have to know, who are your spongemen? This is fabulous. The three guys who are standing outside kind of step forward in a menacing way towards you, and they go, Beat it. Get out of here. I'm looking for Mr. Dorian Gray. I thought I saw him on the other side there. Sorry, I didn't mean to intrude. What are you, looking for literary figures? I don't think you're going to find him here. Surely not. I am sure that I will not find anyone who is from a book in here. <laughs> you are certainly right about that, sir. Craig, take a deep breath and settle down before you hurt yourself. Look, guys, I know you work for Mr. Gallo, right? We're not saying it. I don't think anyone said that. All right, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. What if I was to tell you that we got it on pretty good account that somebody may have tampered with this race? And then maybe your horse should have performed better what than it did. What are you saying? Is. You're saying we tampered with this race? I don't, guys, I don't like no, his No, 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 no. You're misunderstanding me. You're misunderstanding me. I don't think you guys did nothing. I think you're the victim here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've been victimized. Yeah, and I've been hired to, to look into it and see what I can figure out. So would you mind if we took a little bit closer look around the stall? No, Mr. Gallus says no one goes in the stall. No one goes near the horse. Not again. Not again? Who was near it last time? Hey, Mickey, do you know how to shut your mouth? That's one guy says to the other. Look, look, guys, I understand. You just met me, but I'm a stand-up guy. Why don't we all... And he pulls out his flask. Why don't we all get a drink together? We'll make it a little social. I'm not trying to cause no trouble with nobody's boss. And one of the guys looks at and he goes, Hey, listen, Mr. Falcone, we of course know you and who you are. And you don't have such a bad reputation, but listen, no one goes near here. I'll tell you, someone did something in here. Our horse went all screwy. But luckily, 
we were able to we were able to scrub down the stall and, and fix things. I don't know, weird stuff is going on. So you're saying that somebody put like some kind of agent in your stall that was bothering your horse? I would tell you, and one guy looks and go, Mickey. I told you to shut your damn mouth. Perhaps some remuneration may be in order. Maybe that would help jog your memory, uh, Michael, if I may. Yeah, and I would say, Clem, this is one of these moments where you can really lean into where you're strong, right? You've got that. You've got that M1911 on your side. You've got your class ring sitting there, and you're not a brain. But you are a bruiser, and this is where you can really lean into that in the mechanics too. Look, you, stop telling him to shut up. He's saying things I like to hear. Don't make me, make you. Yeah, so that's perfect. That's a great pulp kind of intimidation on these guys. So we're gonna see how that works with them. You've got a heart roll on this. That's where you go right. with your intimidation rolls. Yep. yep. Now. If you're saying that, you know how these guys in the time, everyone shoots from the hip, right? They just have the, no one ever brings the gun out. They're just like all those gangsters. You put your hand down in your pocket and you bunch up your hand with your class ring showing and you get all those bonuses with your intimidation roll. Nice. So I get all of them. You get okay. all of them. All right. Now, now, these guys, first of all, you're used to this type of thing. Well, pri mm -hmm. red eye, private eye, Pinkertons, you guys, your yeah. thugs, right? I tried to use sugar first. They weren't buying it. Right. A 2d6 roll in intimidation. These guys are 1d6 opponents, which automatically brings it to a 3d6. So this is a 3d6 roll. However, this guy is pretty hardened. You're going to reduce your target number by one, and it's a 3d6 roll. Right. You also have the option here, again, like anything else, you could say, I just... I really want to make him spill the beans. I want to increase the magnitude of my effect. And you could make it a 4d6 roll to, to make whatever you're doing more. And then you can tell me like what that what that is going to get you in a narrative way. But if I increase the difficulty, then I'm mm. doing the opposite of burning. If you increase the difficulty to 4d6, which you can do, now you make a decision to burn. You say, I don't want it to be a 3D6 roll. I want a greater effect. So I'm going to make it a 4D6 roll. And then you decide if you want to burn or not and how much you want to burn it, how much you want to bring that die roll down. So first is the assessment of difficulty. And I tell you, it's a 3D6. But then you have the option as the player of going, yeah, not only do I want to be successful, but I really want to put the fear of God into these guys. And you could increase it voluntarily to a 4D6 mechanically and then only when we finalize the difficulty roll then you say oh i'm gonna burn so much yeah fair enough then absolutely let's up the ante on this because as he's looking a little bit hesitant he leans into it a little bit he says look i'm happy to keep baba shopping with you but if i don't hear what i need to hear i'm gonna have to squirt lead yeah, that's some pretty heavy stuff. 46, and you tell me how much you want to burn. And we're burning off of health or heart. Heart, that's right. Because that is the skill involved. Yep. Now, when I burn it down, does that act, does that actively reduces the stat, which is reducing... It does not. No? So this is not a death spiral in this game. So as you reduce, as you take burn, your stat remains the same. You're still rolling for the same number. Your stats are not affected until you entirely burn a stat. Got you. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm going to burn three. All right. I love it. A, a D6. Uh, you know what you could do? Here's what I'd recommend. Because again, this is yeah. you guys. I'm only going to burn two. 
I would burn two and I would take your surge. Bring it into a, a D6 roll. And then you're going to roll a D6 and you have a one in six chance of getting your surge back. Or I can mm. keep my surge. Yep. My target number is going to be a 10 because it would be an 11, but it's down one. Yep. And on 2D6, I got a good shot. We're trying, we're, what the heck? I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to go for my surge to drop it to a 1D6. Yep. And then we'll see if I get my surge back. Big money, big money. Oh, and I got the six. So you got the six. So nice. that's that, nice. that one in six chance. A lot of players, once they figure out that routine, you're like, oh, I'll take that 1D6 roll. So you get your surge back immediately. And then the guys go, all right, listen, we don't want a, we don't want any trouble. I don't even, I don't even like being down here around this, all this horse shit, right? So we came into the stall and there was blood all over the floor. The horse had just left there. There's blood all over and we moved the hay around and there was like, I don't know, there was like a circle and like a star or something in the middle of the damn thing. It was weird. It was, it, 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 and we, so man, we came in here and we cleaned this thing out. And then we told Mr. Gallo and he's had us standing here ever since. Someone was doing some freaky stuff down here. Fascinating. Yeah, that um, does sound I, pretty crazy. I, uh, I think we have bothered these fine gentlemen enough. I think we should let them get back to standing without being harassed by such ruffians. Yeah, yeah, we'll let you guys get back to it. Thanks for the information. And I'm sorry I had to threaten to put the screws to you. Yeah, and so you walk on and pass those guys and a few empty stalls. Before we get to the next yeah. stall, though, actually, sure. Kevin, from what I remember in the background on the Pulp Adventures, it is very much high society thing that there has been rumors in high society circles about some sort of occultism and stuff like that. Is that common knowledge in high society circles? It's common knowledge to you. Yeah, that's where I'm going for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So as we're walking from that from that stall to the next one, in very hushed tones to Clem, I will whisper that I say, "Dear boy, we may be dealing with more than we bargained for here. I think, I think, I think Tad and his sister could be into some shit." Yeah. What do you know? This circle and the blood thing. I ran into it on a case once a month or so ago, but I never solved that one. It was some pretty weird stuff. Yeah, that's indeed. Indeed, I think some pretty weird stuff is is what's going on here. This is this is about to get interesting, I think. When you speak, angels sing from above. Every day word seems to turn into love songs. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at TT Journeys, joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. Our full episodes come out every week on Friday, and every Tuesday features actual play and gameplay showcase episodes. Looking for early access? You can support the show and get episodes before everyone else at www.patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. Check it out today and see all the awesome benefits we bring to our supporters. Lastly, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, 
we would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And we bid you fair tides, friends, for legends await.